Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, a podcast where we discuss cybersecurity news and education. This week will be a bite-sized advice episode that many people may not even think twice about. Buying used hardware. A lot of people will buy used hardware for various reasons, it's often cheaper than buying it new, and if there's a shortage of a product, it may be one of your best options. Although it's not common, there are risks to buying hardware used or from untrusted vendors. I've seen malware in the OS of a computer purchased through Amazon, although it was marked as new, it was clearly not that new. You may also be familiar with the concept of attackers putting malware on USB drives and leaving them in public locations or offices, just waiting to see if someone takes the bait and tries to plug it in. More subtly, you can actually buy charging cables that you're meant to put malware on and leave them out in public. People may be suspicious of a USB drive, but a lot of people don't think a charging cable could possibly do much harm. And it's near impossible to distinguish a malicious charging cable from a perfectly benign official one. So maybe think twice about taking that charging cable someone left at the airport. However, this episode I'll be telling a story that happened to me before I even knew all that much about cybersecurity. I had basically just started my journey into cyber. This is the story of the malware keyboard, a story that I just love retelling and that scares people a lot. One day I was shopping on Amazon for a specific keyboard. I wanted a mechanical keyboard with blue switches and I also wanted something more ergonomic because I'd get shoulder pain from too much sitting at the computer. I looked into a split keyboard that had two halves you could separate to keep your shoulders at a wider stance. It's a little weird, but once you get used to it I think it's pretty comfortable. However, it was around $200, and I have been known to be a little cheap sometimes. But I saw an option to buy it used for around 25% off, so I decided to do it. After all, I didn't even know if I'd like it, so I didn't want to spend too much money, even though I could just return it if I didn't like it. Anyways, I was intending to replace the keycaps anyways and was going to clean it before I used it, so in my head that made it a little less gross. The keyboard arrived and I plugged it into my desktop after I wiped it down with an alcohol wipe. A new drive popped up when I plugged it in that contained software for editing the backlights of the keyboard and making your own macros. There were six macro buttons and I intended to get the most out of them, but before I started playing around with the software I decided, hey, why not do a malware scan on the keyboard, I just learned about this. So I opened Windows Defender, did a custom scan targeting the drive attached to the keyboard, I did not actually think anything would come up, but I was rather unpleasantly surprised when something did. Windows Defender had recognized two malicious files, one for Windows and one for Linux, that contained a malware that would run in the background and try to crack passwords saved to my operating system, which could then be used for future attacks against me. I did confirm via virus total that this was a password cracking software and not a keylogger, I was kind of surprised it wasn't a keylogger, actually, because that would make sense for a keyboard. But then again, it's not always about doing what's obvious that might get you caught. It's about doing something subtle to get some kind of information. Either way, I used the built-in Windows Defender removal tool to remove the malware and verified with another scan that it was indeed gone. By the way, Windows Defender is actually a pretty good anti-malware solution. Sometimes it's even better than the paid options if you're just an individual, so I'd certainly recommend using it. I also opened some software called TCP View, which allows you to see any network connection your device is making and what application is making those connections. 
I did this because I partially fear there may be still something lingering on the keyboard that was trying to reach out to a remote attacker. When attackers infect a computer, they'll often set up a remote server called a command and control server, and they'll have the malware do something called beaconing, which is just sending a message back to that command and control server to say, hey, I'm attached to this device, I'm still alive. This is how attackers can maintain persistence in devices even when you turn them completely off. They'll just get another beacon from the malware. This can, of course, be used to connect to that remote command and control server for remote access or downloading additional malware tools. Anyways, I didn't see anything that unusual compared to my normal activity. I had been playing with the software a little bit, so I already knew what that looked like, which was good to have a baseline for that. Otherwise, I may not have known if it was beaconing or not. For the next coming weeks, I was a little paranoid and scanned that drive more times, with the malware never returning. I still have that keyboard, and I used it to write this week's very episode. So, how does something like this happen? Well, with a lot of hardware, changing the firmware to contain malware is difficult, but not impossible. In my case, the keyboard already had a miniature drive attached to it, so it would be pretty easy to buy the keyboard, drop the malware in the drive, and resell it. After all, how many people are going to scan their keyboards for malware? If they don't do it right away, it will likely go unnoticed until the next automated scan occurs, which buys the attacker quite a bit of time. However, it's not a conventional method because you don't know who's buying the keyboard. It could be a nerd like me who does malware scans on keyboards. It could be someone with a complicated password that'll take thousands of years to crack. And, well, it could be someone vulnerable. Compared to simpler attacks like phishing, this seems a bit more expensive with pretty low returns. So, another possibility that I had considered is that this was an accident. It's possible that the original owner of the keyboard had malware and that malware had spread to the drive unnoticed and was attached. Then, maybe that owner simply decided they couldn't get used to this weird keyboard and tried to resell it to recoup a bit of their losses. This actually isn't completely unheard of with malware, though usually it's spread through network connections rather than attached to drives these days. Either way, I'll probably never know for sure how this happened. So, what should you take away from this? Avoid buying used electronics, even if they may seem innocuous. I would also recommend avoiding third-party sellers like Amazon, and just buy directly from the vendor's website instead. Amazon is great for buying plenty of things, but I now avoid buying my electronics from there. Even though you may think you're buying something new with a third-party seller, you don't know how rigorous they are with verifying that you actually get a new product. Many of them likely keep returned and new products in the same space and will send out one that had been returned without checking to make sure the device has not been modified. And with very large big sellers, it may be very impractical to check this with every single return device. My name is Chloe Tonus, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime. I hope you enjoyed my personal little anecdote, and I hope it taught you a valuable lesson about buying from appropriate vendors. And until next time, stay secure.